I'm Paul Higgins, an ex-corporate executive turned business owner who for five years struggled to grow a cloud consulting business whilst battling a chronic disease. With the help of mentors and experts, I got the business model right, built a sales and marketing engine and developed a high-performing team that ended in a successful exit. I received a kidney transplant from a mate and now on my second life, I dedicate my time to helping other cloud consultants scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life. Detecting an accent, I'm an Aussie working globally from Melbourne, Australia. I interview successful cloud consultants sharing their scaling stories to give you inspiration and practical tips. I have dedicated experts Four cloud consultants on the show to save you time and money by working with the right people. If you want to scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Imagine this. You're about to sign a really large deal with a client. You're going to help them with their sales, their marketing, their operations, and then all of a sudden they throw you a hand grenade. That hand grenade is, oh, by the way, we need some help with an accounting system migration. Your heart sinks and you think, oh no, who could I get to help because I don't want to do this. I've either done it before or I've attempted to do it before and it hasn't worked. Well, we have the answer for you. Hello, I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to episode 499 of the Cloud Consultants Show. In this episode, we'll explore ways for cloud consultants to thrive by avoiding common pitfalls and embracing best practices. Our guest today is Simon Fedorowski, who was born and raised in Israel and moved to Canada in 2014. He spent time doing accounting at school while working full-time at a distribution center. He worked his way up in cost accounting while starting the Sphere brand, so it's fearconsulting.com in 2017. He's been in the accounting industry for long enough to know that it's very tired, right? And he knows that it needs a breath of fresh air, and he also knows that partners like you need support. So he joined with a partner, Eagle, and he started his firm. And now they bring the big month-end experiences to small to medium entities and also support to partners. And they deal with all types of companies in pretty much every industry. 45% of their company is around accounting systems and ERP solutions for companies. And they also are brilliant at migrating, whether it's QuickBooks, Sage, Zoho Books, Zero, you name it. They're brilliant at that. And that's where they're going to help you. And they really bring customized hands-on experience. And I've got to say, um, Simon was recommended highly to me from a partner. And the conversations I've had with him, he's been brilliant, including this one that you're about to get entered into now. So without any further ado, I'll hand you over to Simon Federeski from SphereConsulting.com and it's spelled S-F-I-R Consulting.com, which all the links will be in the show notes. Great to have you here, Simon. Likewise. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, I know you're uh, in Canada, as I said in the introduction, so it's good to have you here. And uh, Australians and Canadians always feel pretty aligned and uh, we had a great conversation and that conversation led to me thinking, God, there's so many cloud consultants and SaaS partners that I come across that when it comes to accounting and finance, they freeze. And I always joke that when I send a note out saying, do you know a good accountant? Someone once replied, uh, if you find one, let me know. And I know yeah, that's exactly. not true because uh, I know you do a brilliant job and you've had some really good exposure with some Zoho partners and others. So I thought, let's get you on and just talk about what you do, how you do it. And uh, that can then spark some uh, conversations with other partners within the community. 
So I always like to start off though with who your ideal client is and then what problems you solve for them. So uh, over to you. Great. Just to start off, thank you for having me on this. It's a pleasure to be here and it's a great honor. So when we look at companies in general, depending on the industry that they're in, what we typically like to work with is somewhere between you know, five employees and up. We don't necessarily have a maximum or necessarily a minimum. Some operations are a singular independent sole ownership type of structure where we can really work with them, but it truly depends on the industry. But our sweet spot's probably around five to 15, somewhere in there. And, and they're the end clients. And as far as the partner platforms that you've worked with, and we'll get into how you do that in a moment, but what are some of the partner platforms that you worked with in the past? We've done a lot of different networking throughout the years, and we've been around for about seven years. Yeah. But the partners really range. We have partners that are Zoho partners. We have QuickBooks partners. We have you know firms that deal with zero firms that deal with NetSuite. It truly depends on the industry. I think that's really where the key is. And us not being a particular partner of any of them is really, I guess, one of the big pluses, right? Because we don't really take any of the the work or the leads from anyone. Yeah, yeah, great. I know that you do quite a bit in inventory, but is there any particular <laughs> industries that or verticals that you know there is a, a common pattern in or is it basically all industries are all verticals? I would say it's it's the majority of the industries that are common nowadays. So a lot of the marketing agencies, we deal with a lot of e-commerce stores, people that sell online through pay-per-click or anybody who sells on Shopify, e-commerce, FBA, FBM, right? So it's any of those type of leads and, and avenues and channels that people sell online, we typically service them. That's primarily for smaller companies. We do have the bigger manufacturing type companies that have either distribution or manufacturing in-house. And that's where we deal more on the cost accounting basis and really help them strategize and build their company from the ground up in terms of operations. Okay, great. And, and what are some of the common problems? Like if you look at it from the lens that you're going to be working with a partner, a partner's introduced you to solve a problem. What would some of those problems typically be? Yeah. So on the partner side of things, typically they'll work on the other side of the systems, right? Whether that would be the CRM, whether that would be any of the data sets that are really configured within the systems themselves. We typically come in on the finance side where there's a lot of the high end accounting side of things where we need to be careful with the finances and make sure that from a compliance perspective, that things are being done properly, but also operationally based on the region and jurisdiction that they're in, right? So that's kind of the important piece. And a lot of the partners, they don't like to really dabble with the finances too much. They like to, as soon as it's, they hear accounting, they run for the hills. So yes. <laughs> we typically come in at that point and we are, I would say they're their best friends, essentially helping them out on the finance world because it is a confusing one and not a lot of accounting firms are out there doing what we do. So it's quite an interesting place to be in. Let's put it this way. Yeah, yeah. And and look, you know, I know when we ran our consultancy business, when someone said oh, we need to change our accounting system isn't. You know, we might have QuickBooks, we want to move to zero, or like you said, we might have zero, we want to go to NetSuite, whatever it was. And and can you do that? And, you know, it was sort of like, you know, the blank look on my face and they'd say, and I'm like, look, we'll, we'll try to find someone that can do that. That's not our sweet spot. We'll try to find someone. And the reason that I brought Simon on today is if you're experiencing that at the moment and you've got that blank look on your face, Simon's going to be a fantastic resource. And, uh, exactly. and how I came across Simon is where uh, a Zoho partner said, basically, it was an impossible 
transition from one accounting platform to another. They couldn't get it done. And Simon came in and did it in a, in a short amount of time. And you might want to elaborate. I don't know how, if, how much detail you can give on that, but that was where the Soho partners like, oh my God, like I've never found anyone else like this. You need to talk to Simon because Simon's really good at this. So I don't know if you can give me a little bit more context to that story or, uh, you know, fill in the, the, the gaps that I've uh, quickly brushed over. Yeah, absolutely. Without going into too much of the confidential information, I guess I can just brush it from the top. This particular case was a case where this individual needed to have a whole bunch of their history loaded into the new system. And typically when you work with firms or any consultancy companies that do any of these migration projects, they like to go based off of you know outsourcing that specific work to someone overseas, let's say, unfortunately, where they have to key in essentially the entire financial structure from start or the last three to five years. Now, that comes with a lot of risk when you're recreating financials, especially when you deal with subledgers. And for those of you who are listening who understand what subledgers are, God bless you. If you don't, it's okay. Uh, but anything that has to do with APAR, any of the tax compliance side of things, when you have specific modules within an accounting software that are tracking things on their own, it gets very, very complex. So we, we've we done a couple of revisions there and we're able to successfully migrate this individual and bring in, I think, like five or seven years of data, which would typically take months and months to do with a manual system. We developed a structure where we were able to load it in within a couple hours after doing quite a bit of testing. But with my method, our team was able to do it without any issues or hiccups or discrepancies. So it's a complicated process. Yeah, but it is a story. When I first heard it, uh, that sounds too good to be true. And you're probably sitting there thinking, you know, yeah, Simon, I've, I've heard that before, but it rarely worked. So what is, you know, without going into the detail once again, but, you know, mm -hmm. why could you do it where so many others can't? That's a good question. We essentially created a macro-based system that can test essentially every single financial report without even loading it into the system. So we did it before loading it into the system. And once we loaded the system, we were then able to cross-reference between what the financial system had versus the other system from before. And you know, when we talk about doing a migration, what we look at in the industry at 97%, 98% of the time, we look at open balance migrations. And that's really where the bulk of the work is, right? Companies that are in the half a billion dollars do the same kind of transition. They just stitch two systems together so that there's continuity, but there's nothing else in between in terms of going backwards in transactions and trying to really mirror the two systems from start. So a series of very, very high-level files that essentially we've built over the years and have tested and have improved because we have a pretty nice team of people who can do some crazy stuff with macro. It's uh, it's a great gift to have. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And, uh, you know, one, like I said, normally when I get a referral from an account, like I said, I'm a little conservative, to be honest, I'm a little wary, but uh, I think the referral was so strong. I won't disclose too much, but let's just say that they've become a partner of yours because you were so good. So I think that's Correct. a testament to how, how strong that is. So when someone approaches you for a complex integration, like you spoke about, or a, I suppose a move from one accounting system to another, how are you assessing whether you're the right person for it? So, you know, it might be you're assessing the partner, it might be the end client, but just take us through a little bit of how you evaluate whether, you know, that's the right opportunity for you. Yeah, it's a good question. The the bulk of the onboarding process is really understanding if the fit is there. We don't work with every company under the sun. Sometimes we'll go into client meetings and it's just, it doesn't work. There has to be some chemistry there, number one. 
it's almost like a relationship where both parties have to understand that what you're about to do is a big deal and you have to do it together. Because we see a lot of companies, whether it's in the construction industry or we call them tired companies. So companies that have been around for a while who don't really care about this. We tend to stay away from those because if you don't understand the value, it's hard for us to justify the value that we provide, which is very, very high. What's an example of that value? Well, value is in terms of the specifics. A lot of the projects that we get are either redos of prior consultants' work where they've done this migration, it's gone really sour, and we have to come in and clean it up. And that's really a big concern to a lot of people. And when they spend you know, from $5,000 to $100,000 on these migrations, that problem can be a really big Band-Aid to cover up, let's put it this way. Yeah. So, and sometimes the cost of fixing it is significantly higher than the actual implementation itself if they were just to come with us directly, because finance, again, is a finicky place to be in. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So one is the fit, what other? Yeah, so fit is really important. We then do uh, an onboarding call where we really understand how and you know how long this project will take. Some projects take three to four weeks. Some projects take three to four months. Some of them can take years, depending on what you're building from either the ground up or you know from scratch or something simple that you just click and and transfer and just make sure that you test properly. We then pair you up with uh, a project coordinator, myself, and a couple other accountants that are on our team to then facilitate the entire move. So every single piece of the project is done. There's open communication. We make sure that you know what's coming up and what is necessary to be done. And that's pretty much it, right? We we try to make sure that everybody understands what the process is like, because yes. again, like I said, finance is this dark mystery cave that nobody wants to enter. But then yes. you have uh, me behind you just poking a stick and saying, go in there, don't be scared. That's pretty <laughs> much it. <laughs> You'll come out. Yeah. And when you talk about understand the process, so take us through, you know, just a quick summary of what that process typically looks like. Sure. When we do a migration, if it's an opening balance migration or a transition to another system, that process is more or less the same throughout most of the migration work. The only caveat is if you have some inventory that you're managing, that's a subledger, and that takes a little bit more practice and takes a little bit more time to configure right, and get that up and running. Because with inventory, there are different components to it, and it, it could take a lot more time if there's inventory added. Now, the most important part is step number one, we usually get some sort of clarification on the year end and the migration timeframe. That's typically the go live. And we try to start the project about a month or two before that. So we have enough time to develop and open the system up so that they're ready to use it from day one. Let's just say their year end is December 31st. The main priority is to be able to let them have the system to use Jan 1st and then start to be able to use and, and build out of the new system. So continuity from a business perspective is there and there's no interruption. And is that typically yeah. a wave, Simon, where you know, you're getting the bulk of your work around that end of the financial year? <laughs> it's funny that you say this. One of the main things that we wanted to do when we started this company, because we have an entire bookkeeping operation, right, yeah. is to de-seasonalize the accounting world. And I love saying that because it's such a big problem in the accounting field. And for those of you who are listening and, and watching this, I'm sure you understand that reaching your accountant from February to June is like winning the lottery almost sometimes, right? Because you're trying to give them a call, but they're not answering. They're busy. They're stressed. They're yes. picking up calls at 10 p.m. We try to really de-seasonalize. And that's where the other side of the business, which we'll probably get into a bit later, yeah. deals with that a lot, where that's kind of the, the big part of it, de-seasonalizing and making sure that you got smooth transition throughout the year. But 
it's a good, interesting question that you say this because as companies get bigger and we deal with sometimes massive organizations, we deal with companies with a hundred employees, 2000 employees at times when we have really high level projects, those projects are typically done on a quarter end basis. Because when you look at the stress of a company and its uh, cycle over the year, you don't want to put that kind of pressure on the company at year end with taxes, with everything else. Yes. So it's a little bit of a, you know, it's like a dance. You want to make sure that they're comfortable with the move, but you also want to ensure that we have enough power to be able to do it on time. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really important because I know, you know, I came from an industry where, you know, it was 12%, actually it was more, 22% of the sales was in our last month. And fortunately for us, didn't coincide with the end of the financial year, but we made sure that we didn't do a lot of changes. And this was the soft drink industry. Our biggest competitor did an SAP implementation in December, and it was just the biggest free kick you could ever get in your life because they basically couldn't get any stock out of their system at uh, Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I always learned that key season, selling time season is not a time to be doing any system changes, any integration changes, blah, 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 right? So I think yeah. it's really smart how you uh, try to de-seasonalize that. And you mentioned there uh, bookkeeping. So, you know, we're talking here around migrations. We'll get the integrations in a moment, but tell us a little bit about what you do from a bookkeeping point of view. That's a big part of the business. And for us, we essentially started the company first doing just simple bookkeeping month to month. We went door to door. I was in downtown Toronto. We were going door to door to restaurants, to small companies, small agencies, and just knocking on doors. And that's how we essentially built our book of clients. And that's how we met that individual that we mutually know back in 2017. So this has been almost, this has been six and a bit of years of working with that individual. And our bookkeeping is really where we bring high level month and close, which is where I came from, right? I did small companies, massive companies, and we want to bring month and close to small companies that can't afford to have a controller or CFO or internal junior bookkeeper and, and a controller where that could be, you know, 150 to $200,000 a year. They pay a fixed monthly fee. We take care of their accounting. Every single month gets closed and you have reporting. And it just relieves a lot of stress from the owners for a year end, like tremendous amount of stress. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, really important. If we just go to the migration component again, you're listening to Simon, this episode uh, 499, and, you know, there's always things to avoid. You know, how, like you said, you've got a criteria of how you pick a partner to then yeah. go through the work. For a partner that's looking at a, a migration or taking on new business, the client's saying, I want this migration, and even to say, yes, or Amber, we're going to look at this. Mm -hmm. What are the things they really need to either have in place or know that if they don't have those in place, be really careful of taking this job on? I think a really big one is understanding where your finances are at right now. We sometimes in the earlier stages, we used to take clients that we didn't really do a lot of prep work with them. We didn't understand what the stage that they were in from their own financial accounting were at. So we'll take on a client to do a migration for a quarter end, and then we'll realize that they're two years behind on their bookkeeping. So gotcha. you look at that and it's kind of a, it's a cash 22. You get there, everything's great. And it's not, not so good anymore. So I think knowing your clients and KYC processes are extremely important and understanding who you're dealing with, because at the end of the day, time wasted for them is time wasted for you. And that's a really big key component for us. Extremely. Yeah, yeah, great. And, you know, we briefly touched on integrations, but, you know, we've mm -hmm. got the migrations, we've got the bookkeeping. Just tell us a little bit about the integrations and how that may work. Good. That's actually a big part of, I guess, migration work to begin with. But sometimes there are certain companies that are too small to do inventory, for example, right? If they're an e-commerce company that does under half a million dollars a year, they might not necessarily need a full inventory tracking system that's in live, right? Where they're doing FIFO, they're doing all the right things. 
Okay. So we take those, let's say, as step-by-step. We take the company, migrate them to a new system. And then in a couple of years when they've grown and they're ready to take on more responsibilities on the finance side, because A, they might want to look into their margins a bit better, landed cost, things that are really important. That's when we start to do the next step. Or a company that has some employees, they start to grow. We want to make sure that they want to start doing expense reporting. We have partners, for example, that have grown tremendously over the last three, four years with the boom during COVID. And a lot of these partners now need to have expense reporting done because their teams have gone from three to 15, right? Three to 20. They have corporate credit cards. So we do an expense implementation that goes and stitches into the accounting software that might be used at the time. Yeah, perfect. And look, I think in summary, but before we go to the rapid fire is that your clients brought you in because you're an expert and maybe in, you know, sales, maybe in marketing, it may be in ops, et cetera, but you know, that's what you're the expert in. And then you wield Simon in for the next layer down, right? Which is in the finance back end point of view. I know that sounds pretty obvious, but I've just seen where some partners that try to be all things to all people, especially with Zoho, like Zoho is fantastic. You got 51 or 52 apps in Zoho one. It's great. Mm-hmm. And you can all of a sudden get yourself in a position where you wish you weren't in. And that's where if you talk to Simon beforehand and you know, the client ultimately would pay for Simon services. So you're not paying for it, but make sure that it's done properly the first time. And as Simon said, it's often cost you more to unravel than it is to do it right in the first place. And we all know that. So, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching at you, but this is why I brought Simon on so that you've got a resource that you can go and ask questions of to find out if he's the right person to help. And, you know, it's across those e-commerce businesses, you know, five to sort of a hundred people is what we've talked about. And also, you know, the platforms are often, you know, Salesforce, Soho, NetSuite, there's some of the platforms, but no matter what platform you're on, look up Simon Fitzsphere. We'll have all these details in the uh, the show notes to uh, to reach out because if you started tuning out a little to some of Simon's answers, that's perfect because that means yeah. that you need Simon in to do the details. And that's exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. He loves our swimming in his swim lane. Get him to do that on your behalf. Not everyone can do butterfly. And I think again, yeah, exactly. sometimes it's like the, the butterfly of the swimming pool. So uh, what we're going to do now, Simon, is wrap it up by going into the rapid fire. You ready for that? I think so. I think All so. Right. Yeah, let's you, do it. You are. Come on, let's do this. So the first one is, <laughs> what are some of the daily habits that you do to help scale Sphere Consulting? Nowadays, it's a lot of one-on-ones. So I deal with a lot of the team members. We have a fairly large company now at this point compared to what it was five, six years ago. We have about yeah. 15 people that were growing really, really quickly. So the important part is to be in tune with your team. And that's really one of the biggest things that I keep on doing. And aside from that, I like to do a lot of reading and I always like to do open conversations. So us in the company internally, we do something called learning days and we do this once a week. Once a week, we train on something new, whether it's accounting-based, system-based, compliance-based. We do a learning session. We then post it on our cloud system internally so people can always go back. But once a week, we do a training session. It's something we've done for quite a long time now. Brilliant. Fantastic. That's how the team and you do it internally. What about for you as the business owner? Where do you go to find more information to scale sphere consulting? I typically look up to different partners. Partners are a really good source, I think, to grow companies in general because partners see it all, right? We see the finance side, but I think a big component to this is the networking side and seeing where partners are really headed with different software because they see it firsthand. Us as the accountants, we don't, we're not as involved in terms of what Zoho's coming out with with other platforms or what NetSuite's coming out with their new plugins, right? So it's great to be involved with the partners that are directly associated with the software that you're dealing with, 100%. 
Great. And I think with, you know, the age of AI, I think it's really important to do that because things are changing yeah. so rapidly. The next one is uh, what's one wish we could grant you and Sphere Consulting? I wish for us to continue to be relevant. And that's really a big part in the whole technological you know, hemisphere, I would say, because technology evolves really quickly. And one of the biggest concerns and, and things that we see in the accounting world is people are losing touch and people are getting tired. And that's yes. what the accounting industry is. And I don't want to become tired. And that's why we take pride in making sure that the team, whenever they find something new and update, because we deal with so many different softwares, they always bring it up. We have open discussions about new tools, new shortcuts, things like that, that are out there in the market to keep us relevant in the market. Right. And that's why sometimes we'll go head to head with somebody like Deloitte or PwC, and we'll deal with their partners. And we have certain upper hand, I would say statements that make us a little bit more credible to theirs because we're really in the know-how when it comes to the software side of things in accounting. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, the last question, Knowing what you know now, when you started with yourself, now you got a team of 15, yeah. what do you wish you had have known at the start that you now know? I think a, a really big part of it is to network and continue to network. And this is a beautiful flower that needs to be watered and nurtured. And it's a really important thing, especially nowadays is the networking side of it is tremendous. And when you do a good job and people see that you do a good job, that has much more value than AdSense and pay-per-clicks. In my opinion, now some businesses, this could work extremely well, but networking and doing what we're doing now is probably the most important thing. And I wish I knew that earlier. Let's put it this way, because I was a little bit too stubborn and I just, I have value, right? So I just stood there behind the computer, just doing the work. And uh, whereas the the opportunities are tremendous, especially now with this beautiful digital, you know, global thing. So it's phenomenal. Totally agree. You were in the B2B space when we sell human to human. So yeah, uh, I think that's a great reminder of that. So there'll be more in the outro is uh, where you can find Simon, but all the links will be there. And it's uh, sphereconsulting.com and it's episode 499. And uh, yeah, Simon, fantastic having you on. Fantastic having you part of our community. And please reach out to Simon. And I know he's very generous with his time and he's also an expert at what he does. So uh, Simon, thanks for being on the Cloud Consultant Show today. Thank you very much, Paul. What a great interview with Simon. I forgot to mention that he does predominantly English speaking around the world and the two key markets he's in is the US and Canada. And he also does a little bit of work for you if you're a fellow Aussie as well. So why don't you get his LinkedIn profile, which is in the show notes and send a thank you to him, mentioning that you came across him on this podcast and also share it with some of your peers because most of us who are cloud consultants or SaaS partners have had these issues with integrations before. And I can highly recommend Simon to help you out and also check out our solo shows. And I'll see you next time on the Cloud Consultant Show for quick wins and simple ways to grow your crowd consulting business and live more of the life that you want. Learning is just one piece of the puzzle. It is now time for action. Head to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. Get the links and put it into action. Head to your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Suggest topics for me to cover at paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com. And don't wait one more minute to gain access to content, especially for you, a cloud consultant, at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash newsletter. This could be the difference between wasting time figuring it out yourself or scaling quickly with less effort to enjoy life.